Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for, for music, music teachers. teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today we're talking about customizing or standardizing our piano curriculum. Welcome back, lovely teachers. So today on the blog, as this is released, we have a guest article and it's about individualizing or customizing your curriculum to fit different students. So on the podcast, what I thought I'd do is unpack this whole idea of standardizing our piano curriculum at all versus individualizing for each student and how much we should go one way or the other way. Now, before we unpack the pros and cons of each, I would love to hear your thoughts So listen along and start thinking about where you might come down on this argument or debate. Which side of the spectrum do you land on? And do you think that shows in your teaching? Do you think your philosophy rings true in how you actually teach? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this over on Instagram. We're at Colourful Keys and that's colourful with two U's because we're on this side of the Atlantic. So yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts there. I'm going to start very simply with the pros and cons of each. So let's say we want to make the argument for entirely standardizing our curriculum, making a set list of lesson plans or things we're going to teach each week or even just each month and laying it all out and teaching it virtually the same way to everyone. I know nobody will fall this far on this side of the spectrum, but let's say that is the argument we want to make. Well, the good thing about this is that we would have clear goals and expectations for our students and what they should achieve. And that can be A difficult thing to find sometimes in music, you know, it's not as obvious what order things should be taught in, what structure we should be following, which way we should develop it all out. The reason it's not obvious is because, well, there is no one way to do it. But if we had laid it all out, we would have clear goals and expectations and it might lead to better progress or just at least a clearer framework for ourselves and for our students. Other benefit of standardizing our curriculum would be that we never forget or skip over something important with a student. I know many of you will have had this experience if you don't teach in some kind of standardized way. Yeah, most of your students learn all the things they're supposed to learn, but the occasional student slips through. You realize way too far into lessons that they don't actually understand all the note values or something basic like that. So if we were to have a standardized curriculum, Well, this wouldn't happen because we would be teaching the same things in the same order to each and every student like a checklist. So let's make the argument in the other direction. 
What about individualizing each and every lesson to each and every student? I'd say there are more teachers who do fall this side of the spectrum, this far over, that they think nothing should be really standardized. Well, the argument for this is that everyone will have unique skills and aptitudes, and that is absolutely true. We get no two students that are exactly alike, do we? So a student walks through our door with certain inbuilt aptitudes and skills they've picked up elsewhere in life. Some of our students will be naturally more inclined towards oral work and playing by ear and things like that. And some will be naturally more inclined towards reading and analysis and things like that. And on and on with every area of music. So if every student is different, shouldn't every one of our lesson plans be different? Another argument for individualizing every lesson is simply that we can. So classroom teachers can't do this because they have all of these different students that they have to cater to. Whereas we are often teaching one-on-one or one-on-two or maybe on four, but we really can customize things to suit the students we have in the room because we do have smaller groups or individual lessons. And my final argument for individualization is that it's more interesting for us as teachers. And that's important. We need to stay enthusiastic about what we do. And it's hard to do that if you're teaching the same thing week in, week out. Okay, so you probably guess where I'm going to land on this. I think we should come somewhere in the middle of these two arguments. I don't think it should be entirely standardized, but I also don't think individualizing for each student works out. Unless you're literally going to make lesson plans for each and every student, which you're probably just not, especially if you have a full student roster, then what you end up doing is the fly by the seat of your pants method or what I guess I should call fly by the seat of your trousers, although I've never heard anyone to say that. <laughs> so fly by the seat of your pants. And that's not good enough. I think we can do better than that. And I don't think it has to mean individual lesson plans for every student. I don't think that's sustainable for you as a teacher. So my compromise is to have some kind of standard curriculum or set of plans or framework. It doesn't really matter what you call it. If you don't like the word curriculum, that's fine. But you have some kind of standardized list of things and roughly the order they're taught in and maybe some of the activities that you do to teach them. And then you adapt to each student you have especially when it comes to pacing, but also when it comes to the types of activities you do, maybe, or the way you actually organize the lesson, you know, in terms of the length of time you spend on each activity and things like that. That's all going to be individual, probably, to each student. But the other part of this is that you design your curriculum so that it loops back on itself. This means that it naturally suits more students. So some on the first go at a certain topic, will only get the surface level. And some will dive deeper right away. You have that, the space to do that in the moment or by the seat of your trousers <laughs> because you have one or two students. So you can adapt things in the moment if you need to. You can take up on something they said that indicated they were interested in understanding the structure of something or where it came from or some of the background on it. Or you can take it much more at a surface level for those students who seem more overwhelmed by it on the first go. But you know that that is going to come back around. We don't teach things once and then expect them to retain that knowledge. That's just not how people learn. So, for example, in the Piano Power Booster curriculum, we do some improvisation pretty much every week. 
and we improvise in various keys. So let's take the key of G major. The first time a student encounters that and improvises in the key of G, some will just get the idea of what a key might be or the word scale will vaguely register with them. Or they'll just get the idea of improvisation and some freedom there. Some will digest fully the key of G major and remember that it has one sharp and which one that is. And some will take more out of the musical context and developing melodies in their improv. All of those things are valid and we don't need to fuss too much about which layer they get to within that or which thing they're sort of orientated towards because we know we're going to improvise in that key again. It's not going to be disappearing forever. We're also going to approach the... the scale in terms of the fingering, we're going to learn about the key signature through theory games, we're going to do lots of various things to cover that in different ways. So there isn't this pressure to get it on the first go, and every student gets it in their own way. Okay, let's say you're on board with me, you think you should have some kind of a framework or curriculum, but it's pretty overwhelming to start. (laughs) And I totally get that. I think this is the thing I hear the most from teachers. They like this idea of having something standardized because they feel like They do just have to wing it a lot of the time and they are worried that they're missing some things with some students or not covering them as thoroughly as they should or getting sidetracked and going too far in a certain direction. Well, I think a great place to start is with someone else's curriculum, honestly. You don't have to reinvent the wheel here. So you could start with your favourite method book and just lay out the topics that it covers as a sort of checklist and then come up with activities for each of those things. Make sure you're looping back on them. So let's say a method book introduces, I don't know, sharps and then staccato notes, crescendo. Okay, I don't know if there's any method book that introduces those three things back to back in that order, but let's say it does. Well, in your curriculum or little checklist, you would have sharps. The next week, maybe you're covering staccato notes, but then the next week you loop back on sharps. So you just include things in a sort of layered list in that way so that you can do multiple activities for those things. Or you could approach it totally differently and think about, okay, in year one, I want to cover all these things, not necessarily in a certain order. I do think that requires more tracking for each individual student, so it can complicate things. Another place to start is with one of our curricula inside VMT, Vibrant Music Teaching. If you're not familiar, you can find it at vibrantmusicteaching.com. But we have several curricula in there that are but the pieces plans, is what I call them. So they cover everything outside of what you might be doing in a method book or a repertoire book. It starts with Tiny Finger Takeoff, which is really for the younger beginner. And then it goes through Piano Power Booster 1, 2 and 3. And you may not even get one of those in a year. So we're really talking about the first five or six years that's covered there. So you could start with those, use them as they are, and then start to adjust those plans over time to suit you. And another place to start, if you don't want to start with the method books or one of ours, our curricula is theory books. So you could take a set of theory books and look at the order they teach those topics in and make your notes based on that. Now, no matter where you start your curriculum from, or whether you call it a framework, or whether you call it a checklist, or whatever... I want you to make sure no one slips through the cracks. And the best way to do that when you are individualizing things and altering things as you go and going off on whims or tangents is to keep good progress notes. So we have a standardized sheet inside VMT for this as well. 
So you can look for that in the video library since there's a video to go along with it showing you how to use it. So you just click on training in the top menu. That'll take you to the training li library and you can find it there. That is basically a sheet where each tab is for an individual student and it has the dates running along the left side and then different headings covering things like rhythm and practice, etc. So that you fill it in each week very briefly to comment on how that student is doing in those things. And you can also then add your own custom columns to that. So for example, for a lot of my buddy students, I have a column that just shows what games I do with them every week so that I can keep track of whether I wanted to repeat a particular game the next week, you know, and I forget the following week. I just look back on it and it immediately reminds me that we we're supposed to do that again. And it means that we're not just doing the same game week after week because I forgot what we did last time. And we're also not doing, you know, only chord games. And I forget that they also need to know music terms, etc. So I hope this episode got you thinking about standardizing your piano curriculum versus individualizing for different students. I would love to hear your thoughts on this on our Instagram. We're at Colorful Keys. I hope to see you there. Vibrant Music Teaching membership costs less than the price of one lesson each month. That is totally worth it for all of the courses, games, resources, downloadables, printables that you can get access to as a member, as well as a fabulous community support you'll find inside. Go to vmt.ninja and become part of the revolution. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.